Is my okay? I'm on. What did we talk about last week? Does anybody remember? Does anybody remember? You don't have such memorable sermons, honestly. It's only been seven days, folks. What we talked about last week was Emmanuel, God being with us. What does that really mean? And, and are you excited about the idea that, that God is actually with you? And is there some comfort in knowing that, that God is there for you? I remember when I was in college playing basketball. I love to say that um, because it wasn't real basketball. It was intramurals. Nobody would have let me play on their college basketball team. But it was intramurals, so I got to play. And we had one guy, Adam Cotton, uh, and his brother Ben. Uh, Adam was probably about 6'6". His little brother was 6'5". And they were on our basketball team. Uh, And you know you have to have five on a team to play basketball, right? But we just needed two. And I can remember what it was like waiting to make sure when it was game time that Adam and Ben would show up. Because if they were there, we had it in the bag. If they didn't show up, it was a miserable, miserable game in which we got maybe two points. Uh, And so it was always great to see Ben and Adam show up because we knew when they walked in that we were going to have a great game. Because when the Cotton Boys were with us, we weren't going to lose. So do you feel that way about God, knowing that the presence of God means victory in your life? You know, one of the things I like to do is have story time. I love to hear stories. I love to learn uh, what things were like 20, 30, 40 years ago. What a wonderful time. And I can remember when I would sit down with my dad and we'd go on a trip, even if it was just for a few minutes, and I'd look at the clock and I'd say, Dad, you see what time it is? And he'd say, well, it's, it's 2.20. I says, no, it's story time. Tell me some stories. And my dad had some crazy stories. But let me tell you, I can't wait till heaven for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I'm excited about heaven is because all the stories that we get to hear, I mean, we have a lot of them in the Bible, but I want to know the details. I want to go to Moses and say, Moses, tell me what it was like when you had that staff and you threw it down and it turned into a snake. What was it like when God says, hey, Moses, pick up the snake? And I'm like, that thing? No, 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 just give me another staff. I'm a, what was it like when you did that? I want to go to Jonah and say, Jonah, what was it like after you ran away from God, you're on a boat, you get thrown over the edge, and you're swallowed by a whale, or was it a big fish? I mean, I, I want to know. Was it really a whale or was it a big fish? And he's going to say it wasn't important. And I'm going to say, well, tell me this. What was it like being inside of the belly of that big fish? And praying and giving thanks to God for deliverance. How did you do that? I mean, what was that like to know that even while you're in the the belly of this stinky fish with other little fish that it's eaten, how can you talk about the grace and mercy and deliverance of God? I would love to talk to Jonah about that and, and David. I want to go to David and say, David, tell me what it was like when... 
when you, you went out and you, you picked up those five stones, one for Goliath and each of his brothers, so that you could slay this giant, you were a little kid. I mean, you couldn't even fit in the armor. You just went there and you said, I know that God is with me. How exciting that must have been for Moses and for David and for Jonah and all these other heroes of faith. Wouldn't you love to have a story like that to share with other people? To say, God was with me? You know what? It's not just an opportunity where they get to answer questions. What if they were to ask you one of those questions? What if David, the King David, or Moses who led the people out of Egypt, or Jonah the prophet came and said, tell me, what was it like? What was it like to have Jesus inside of you? What do you mean inside of me? You understand that God was with them. But when Jesus came, He says, I am here to be with you. And when He left, He says, I am leaving so that I can be in you. John at chapter 16, verses 7 and 13 and 14 say this. Jesus is speaking to His apostles. This is just a few hours for He is to be away and soon to be crucified. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is good, it is for good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will speak on his own. He will speak only And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now that was originally said by Jesus to His apostles, but it's been echoed throughout the centuries until finally it rests upon our ears this morning. When Jesus makes the promise, He doesn't say, I'm going to be with you. He says, I am going to be in you. Now let me tell you, for all the great things, you know, killing lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and for all the the Goliaths He slayed, for all the hundreds and thousands of men that He killed and the army that He amassed, the wives that He married, all the things that We look at David that he did, and yet it was God with him. Today, we proclaim that God is not with us, but that God is in us. How exciting is that to think that God is working in your life? Not occasionally, not on Sundays, not on Wednesdays, but every day God is in you. He's better than the Cotton Brothers showing up to the basketball game. He's there with you every day, and with Him, you have victory. But what is it really all about for Moses and David and Jonah? Moses 
life wasn't about morphing and parting seas. Jonah and his story wasn't about hungry whales and nibbling worms. And David's story wasn't about slinging stones and singing songs. You see, for each one of them, there was a larger story to be told underneath all of that, the prophesying, underneath being the king, beyond leading a group of grumpy Israelites through a desert. The real story of these men was told. They were about praising God. That's what they were called to do. I want to share with you for just a moment, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to be blazing through this passage because it's one that you're probably familiar with. If you have... On Wednesday nights, there were... uh, Months ago, we looked at this passage, and I want to spend a little bit more time talking about this. Uh, this is the story of Uzzah. Does anybody remember who Uzzah is? Unfortunately, we remember Uzzah's death more than we do about his life. David decided that he is going to bring the ark of the Lord. He's going to take it uh, away <clears throat> from the house of Abinadab, and he's going to bring it back to Israel, to Jerusalem. And so he has this great plan. Uh, He gets 30,000 men and they grab all their instruments that they have. They begin to sing songs with the harps, the lyres, the tambourines, the sistrums, and the cymbals. They had a moving, marching band going around. And here we have, on the way, is the ark. The ark just happened to be on this new fancy cart that they had made. And they were going to wheel it back to Jerusalem with great pomp and circumstance. And as they reached the threshing floor of Nacon, there was a slip, a trip, the donkey stumbled, and all of a sudden Uzzah reached out. Maybe it was a reaction, maybe he was thinking, I've got to protect the ark. And he reached out and he put his hand on it, and in doing so, he angered the Lord. It says, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. Now that's a confusing passage for a lot of us, because we're thinking, hey, he was just trying to help. I mean, what's going on here? God, can't you give him a little bit of a break? Well, Ahiah and Uzzah were the two that two of them that were helped guiding this cart. And if I look back in the Levitical law, where am I going to find the dimensions of the cart that was to be constructed? Does anybody know where I'm going to find that? Yeah, it's not going to be in there. Because they took it upon themselves to take the ark the way they wanted to take it, not the way God had instructed them to do so. And because they had decided they were going to do it their own way, God says, that's not right. And God's anger burned against Uzzah and he struck him down right there. And all of a sudden, the tambourines, the lyres, the sistrums and the cymbals, they stopped. And what was to be a day of victory quickly became a day of defeat. 
David said, take the ark. And it ended up in the house of Obed-Edom. And rather there being a celebration, the 30,000 men and all who were involved went back to Jerusalem with their heads down. But you have to give credit for David. David is a pedal to the floor kind of guy. He does nothing halfway. He doesn't know what the top of a fence looks like because he's never been close enough to be on it. He is either on one side or another. When he's fighting, he's fighting for the Lord. When he's weeping, he's weeping with all that he has. And we're going to find out in just a second what he does. For three months, there's this mourning. And David hears that Obed-Edom in his house is prospering. It says, you want to know what? I'm going back for the ark. I'm going to get it. Because that is the ark of the Lord and it deserves to be in Jerusalem. And he sets out again. And he does things a little differently. In fact, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 6, there is no mention of a cart. Instead, it's carried the way the Lord had intended to be carried from the very beginning. And as they are carrying it along, David comes on in front of them. And here we have in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, it says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. I want to just give your imagination a few seconds to catch up with that verse. What do you suppose it looked like? I mean, out of reverence... And my own safety. I'm not going to try to do what David did. But I want you to imagine in your mind. What would it look like. If David danced before the Lord. With all his mind. Now I want you to transfer that. To your own life. What would it look like Carol Geyer. If you danced before the Lord. With all your mind. I mean, imagine what it would look like. Think about it, Devon. I mean, you, you actually have some rhythm. It might look pretty good. I mean, this, but this is not a slow dance. This is with all your might. I'm thinking there's some herking and some jerking and arm flailing and legs going all over the place. With all his might, everything that he had was so that God would be glorified. It was not, look at me, I'm bringing it back. It was, look at God and how great He is. Well, we know the rest of the story, don't we? As He's coming in, dancing around, looking maybe a little like a fool. Maybe what I would look like if I tried to dance. His wife is looking through the window and she's staring down. And maybe that's her first problem, is she's not in the celebration. Instead, she's just an onlooker. And Michael looks down, the daughter of Saul, and says, David, you look like a doofus down there. And David enters into his house, ready to celebrate, and he's met by Michael, his wife, who basically says, how dare you? 
How dare you make a fool of yourself, of your kingship, and of your whole family? Why would you do that? I mean, look at all these, these servant girls are looking at you, and you're, you're acting like a fool, David. King, why don't you be a real man and dancing like that? And David says, hey, I want you to know that it wasn't Saul who was to bring the ark back, a.k.a. your father. God chose me. And those servant girls, they're going to remember the passion that was displayed to a God whose love never ends. And from that point on, Michael had no more children. David was willing to say, the most important thing in my life is not being a manly king, the one who's proper and bright. It was one who was willing to say, I love God, and if it makes me a fool to love Him, then I will be a fool dancing in the streets every day for God. So who's ready to sign up? Is everybody ready? I mean, I want you to think of ways, how can you be a fool for the Lord today? Have you got an idea what it's going to look like? How about tomorrow, when it's time to go into the workplace, how can you be a fool for the Lord? How can you do things in such a way that you point to God and other people say, you're crazy, you shouldn't do that. And instead you say, this is not about me, it's about God. The problem is, it's not easy serving God. And it's not easy pointing to Him. Sometimes we just don't have the right words. I want to take just a moment and I want to share a video with you that just highlights how it is to share the words of love and appreciation to our Heavenly Father and to our Earthly Father. Can we show that video? Dad, I'm just going to say it. I don't know why it's hard for me to talk real with you, but it is. And all we ever do is talk weather and sports and sports and weather, and that's it. I don't know. What I really want to say is I'm thankful for how you loved me growing up, and you always made time for me, and I love you. Happy Father's Day. That was really good. You think? Yeah, you need to tighten it up a little bit, but other than that, you're ready. Okay, thanks, Uncle Ron. Here goes. Good. Dad. Son. Looks like the uh, clouds are rolling in. Yeah, hope they don't postpone the game tonight. Listen, Dad, I wanted to I wanted to say something to you. Okay. Just 
I just want to thank of you for, well, thank you for being, you know, a, a dad. Not not just a dad, you know, being for being one that's mine and not, well, of course not just mine. You're Jessica and Jordan's dad too, but it's it's cool. Matthew. I, I, yes, sir. I know. Dad, I, I don't think you do know. No, oh, no, I know. I heard you talking about the wrong. I was sitting just four feet from you. Well, I meant it. Thank you. Heavenly Father, or whether it's our earthly dads, for some reason, we have trouble really saying I love you. For a lot of us, it's, it might have been a while since we've had that conversations with our dad about how we love them and we appreciate them. And you say, you know what, I, I just talked to my dad the other day and, and we ended the conversation with I, I love you. But let's not forget our Heavenly Father too. Today is a really special day for many of us. And my heart hurts in knowing that for some of you, today is a very difficult day. Today is a day that you're reminded of the father that you lost. Or the day you never had. Let me encourage you. God has given us today. For some of you, your relationship with your dad may be strained. Maybe there were some words shared several years ago when you kind of lost touch. God has called us to model His love. And today on Father's Day, asking you to describe how your earthly father is perfect and how he never made a mistake, what I want you to realize is that he is a child of the kings. I've learned that really isn't that easy. I thought it was easy as a teenager. I thought I could do it a whole lot better than maybe my dad could have done it. And then I had kids and realized that, that maybe my dad was right as my kids realized that I'm wrong. It's the irony. And yet God calls us to love Him and everyone here. Psalm 20. Verse 3 says, God inhabits the presence of His people. God desires to hear words of love to each one of you. And this morning I want to ask you this. When we're all in heaven and we're surrounding, surrounded by David and Jonah and all the others, 
all the stories we long to hear when we ask Noah what it was like on the ark and Moses what it was like parting the Red Sea and they turn to us. Will we have a story that points to God? I'm asking you today to pick up your pen and begin or rewrite or add to the chapter that talks about your love for a heavenly Father who never gave up. God has never given up on us, and because of that, today He offers an invitation that says, rededicate your life to me, talk to me, allow my presence to be felt through your praises. So this morning, I want to ask you, from where you're sitting right now, to make a to rededicate your life. To make a decision that says, I'm not about the car or the house or the career. What I'm really about is praising my Father. And let's make every day Father's Day. If we can help you this morning, we want you to know that you can come forward and we'll meet your needs. We also have a shepherd in the family life room. He'll assist you as well. If there's any way that we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.